You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered, none accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with a game week edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. It's Texas back on the gridiron this week against Kansas. We will talk about all that and much more relating to the Longhorns and gridiron matters on the 40 Acres here on this latest edition of the show. You can find this show anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. Don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst here on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? Not too shabby. I will say this, Matt. You and I texted about this this weekend. We have officially been doing this show long enough (laughs) that our spirit animal, Will Muschamp, has not only been fired by one, but now Mm. two schools in the SEC. (laughs) Yeah, poor Muschamp. You just got to get back to work. Got to do his job. He does. He, oh, does have to do, he has to just do his job. Uh, a man who always does his job and does it very well, no matter if he's doing it from 3 to 7 every day on the horn on the, as part of that triple option afternoon show or here on Longhorn Blitz where he is. Our lockdown corner, lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Gentlemen, uh, let's not feel bad for Will Muschamp. How much you make? Will Muschamp was 28-30 at South Carolina, 56-51 and 51 as a head coach. Florida paid him $6.3 million dollars just to not coach their football team anymore. South Carolina will pay him $15.3 million not to coach their team. That adds up to $21.6 million Oof. just to get the hell out of town. That's pretty awesome. That is. Hey, I got to tell you. I mean, the, it pays business. to lose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you talk about that, man, I started looking and thinking about other numbers and stuff. I mean, hell, Manny Diaz has almost had that many jobs, and he's like went through from he left to Temple, came back exactly. at Miami, and then you had his D.C. coordinator jobs. But when you look you at Paid on potential. Oh well, yeah, for getting, sure. They getting paid on potential, and that's why I should have went into coaching. I still got time, but you get paid on potential, and I can get paid on potential. You sell yourself in an interview, talk some trash. I ain't really gotta win. I just gotta convince whoever's paying the money that I'm gonna win. And according and to then, DKR, they say that what's potential <laughs> means you ain't worth a damn right exactly. now. And as some of these guys, as a head coach, they're not. You know, they're not really worth worth that kind of money as a head coach. But they got that kind of money because. People thought Coach Muschamp, he did. He had a lot of potential. Yeah. 
but it didn't work. Will Muschamp will coach again. I don't know if he'll get a head coaching job at a Power oh. Five conference. He'll but be a DC he whenever will. he wants to. Oh yeah, no, no question. One of the best defensive minds. Yeah. You think he'll be a head coach again? No, I don't, not at the Power Five level. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think he. I think we're done with. Maybe down the road. Yeah. It'll take some time. We would have said Manny Diaz would have got hired that fast as a head coach. I bet. Yeah, it's true. Man, he is as good at selling himself. Now, it depends what type of Power 5. It's like the lower tier. If it's an ACC school, it's almost getting lopped off these days. That's a good point. You can get Kansas job. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Les Miles. I mean, we're talking about Les Miles. You can always. But Will Muschamp, if he wants to be head coach again, just call Kansas, and they will let you have the job. (laughs) As we look ahead to Kansas and Texas, Rod, that's getting out. Like, people are reporting it. I think Brandon Marcello, my colleague at 24-7 Sports, reported this from a source in the coaching industry. Like, the Kansas job has gotten a reputation now. Yeah, you could go there and collect a check. Don't plan on winning anything or turning it around, no. but they'll, they'll pay you well. They'll pay you. We're yeah. talking about that. That's what South Carolina is my whole life. It's gone from your Lou Holtz's to your Steve Spurrier's to your Will Mustang. Great point. You it know, is like- that. <laughs> wow. Who they got? Yeah, that's They got to get the Coastal Carolina guy. What's his name? Yeah. <laughs> not, that, not that we need more dogs. No, no man. not that guy. I know. Coastal Carolina's not that winning, guy, and I don't know the name of the head coach, uh, but, but Billy, he'll Billy, take the job. Billy Napier seems to be kind of the of the group of five coaches. Billy Napier seems to be the name that's kind of on the mm-hmm. the up and up for everybody. Yeah. But, guys, as, as we look at, at Texas and Kansas, and let's just get the Kansas stuff out of the way uh, so that way we don't have to spend too much time talking about it. Please. Rod. Uh, I told you last week, and you've since done some research on it, and you feel like my point has been validated. Uh, this Kansas team is as bad of a Big 12 team as we've ever yeah. seen. No, you're right. That little film that I watched on them, and it's I couldn't watch that much of it because it's not worth watching, Speaking honestly. of Coastal. And, uh, <laughs> I will, yeah. Thank you. I will run reference. down the following numbers where Kansas yeah. ranks in the they Big are 12. Are you, are you ready, Rob? Historically bad. Okay. Yeah. Kansas right now in the Big 12, last in scoring offense. Wow. Last in scoring defense, mm. last in total offense, last in total defense, last in rushing offense, last in rushing defense, wow. last in pass offense, last in pass defense. Actually, they are not last in pass defense. Texas is actually last in pass defense. They're eighth <laughs> in pass defense. So, hey, got, they, got that, they got that going for them. Uh, they are last in team pass efficiency, last in team pass efficiency defense. That's where the interceptions are helping Texas out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Rod, anyway, you slice it, man. Kansas, uh, sacks against, they're last <laughs> in the league. Sacks by, they're last in the league. <sighs> anyway, you slice it, Rod, turnover margin, they're last. Red zone offense, they're last. Red zone defense, they're last. Anyway, slice. This is this is a this is an awful football team. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm starting to think UTEP might be a better team in Kansas, and to see what Texas did to UTEP. So I'm kind of expecting that type of showing and display by Texas, and it'd be great if they could have that type of performance. That way, Sam Ellinger can get, be out of the game by halftime. Yes, here's That's the, deal, the idea. Here's the deal with Kansas, though, guys. Like, and the bye week, they'd be big. And the, yeah, exactly. You talk to people close to that program, they knew this was going to kind of be the year where it was going to be rough. They were going to be really young. Les Kansas? Miles was trying to get that roster turnover. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes. But Always. They, they, they knew this year was going to be really rough, but the combination of COVID – the combination mm. of now Puka Williams has opted out, yeah. along with the fact that they were really hoping to find a graduate transfer quarterback, and they had actually they had Felipe Franks. It looked like they were going to get that deal done, and 
he ended up not going to Kansas. He ended up in Arkansas. Lo and behold, Arkansas is competent. And he pays smart all of that. a sudden. Good job. And it has exacerbated a lot of their issues to and where— And then a 17-year-old yeah. wins their job, and Les Miles says he's—or uh, Cam Newton was what his <laughs> description was. A little little too lofty for the 17-year-old. <laughs> he called him Cam Newton. Yeah. I saw the press conference. <laughs> he said Jalen Daniels was their, their Cam Newton. Well, well Rod's just getting tickled at a lot of <laughs> stuff. Jalen Daniels is good, but yeah, he so called him their Cam Newton, and he's oh, a 17-year-old kid. Wow. It's because he's Miles really big. It's just out of control. Yeah, so, he was acting in movies this past year. I know, like, he's on the exactly. front cover of some movie that looks like it's fake. <laughs> so, guys, the number that, that uh, it opened at this, it's still at this as of the time we're sitting here recording this. Mm. It opened at 29. This is a week where I get to use my favorite fun fact, maybe of the entire season, that Tom Herman in three meetings with Kansas has yet to cover a spread wow. against Kansas. Rod, this is a game where you better cover that number. I don't care if it goes up, down, whatever. Whatever that number is, go cover it this week. There's no excuse for you So that means to. Texas hadn't covered since 2015 then. Right. Because obviously they, didn't they cover lost. It in, yes. <laughs> the money line on that one. Yeah, since so, the Big 12, since wow. the Big 12 went to the round-robin format in 2011, Texas is 3-6 and six against the spread against Kansas. Ugh. No bueno. Yeah. That is disgusting. Into yeah. <laughs> the Kansas versus oh, UTEP. Uh, that is a gross fact. <laughs> that is a gross fact. If you want to look at Kansas versus UTEP, according to Bill Connolly and his metrics, oh. you have UTEP at 123rd in the nation out of 127. Kansas at 118. If you were on, say, a neutral field, Kansas may be a slight two-point favorite. But if you're playing a UTEP – Probably Kansas would be a dog. Well, you can't play at UTEP okay. right now because UTEP yeah. can't play games in El Paso County because of COVID restrictions. UTEP's having to play home games in Midland. That's how bad the COVID <laughs> issues are getting yeah. out in that part of the getting state. Getting bad everywhere, man. Uh, yeah. Don't mean to make light of that. Yeah, but be safe no. out there, folks. Rod, I, I don't know any other way to put it this week other than you better hit the number. This is a game where if Sam Ellinger is in the game in the middle of the third quarter, Either you made a horrible decision or something went terribly wrong. Like, this is a team you should just stomp a mud hole in them. I totally agree. I mean, Matt just gave you the the breakdown, even from the wise guys in Vegas and how they see it. I mean, this is they are UTEP-ish. Yes. In, I mean, in the way they play and the, it seems the personnel and even the talent. So I would, if I'm Texas, I would try. And that UTEP game, remember, they probably – that was probably the most they passed on early downs this year. Their early down pass rate was well into the 60%. I think it was close to like 62 63% in that game on early downs. And they threw it a ton early on. I think against Kansas, Sam should be fresh. I would unleash Sam early on. And I wouldn't even focus on giving, you know, Bijan a ton of carries. I mean, I want Bijan to get his, but the way they've been bringing him along is fine versus Kansas to me. He's one of those guys like Sam that needs to be saved for those last two games versus Iowa State and Kansas State, and that's how you need to view this Kansas game. It needs to be viewed as almost, all right, this is a game to get us ready for those two games. How do I use this game to get us ready for those two games? That's all Kansas should be. You're going to beat Kansas. Yes. You're going to beat them. And your backups really should even help you cover. Like yes, you, Your exactly. backups could be that good. Um, but, and, and Sam being healthy is the, your number one issue, so you need to make sure your foot is on the pedal so that you can have him out of that game, like you said. I would like at halftime, I, you, you should be able to see Casey Thompson coming out there ready to go. This is a, this is a great week to get the passing game going. And, Matt, you had the numbers from Pro Football Focus. Sam Ellinger, in terms of accuracy, he's been really good this year, whether it's the 
short to intermediate game, the mm-hmm. intermediate to deep game, the deep game. He's best thrown between the hashes. Over the middle of the field is where Sam Ellinger has been at his best. And you know, Texas will be on the practice field Tuesday, but by then they should have Jordan Whittington back. Mm-hmm. We know Jake Smith now is over the hamstring injury, mm-hmm. knock on wood. It seems like he's healthy, ready to go. They're supposed to have Joshua Moore back. Uh, I would like to see Jared Wiley be used more. That's just me. Um, that Everybody's caught up on the running back rotation, Rod. When you talk about what's wrong with this mm-hmm. offense, that's people's chief complaint. I, I've got some Bijan numbers I'll give you here in just a second, but that's kind of my chief complaint. Like You've been saying for years how this pro-spread offense, you, you need one of those tight ends that can be a difference maker, that can be a matchup issue, that can be an every-down guy. You've got one of those guys now. It looks like you've got one of those guys, yet we don't really see Jared Wiley nearly as involved as, as I would like for him to be. That said, all those weapons you've got that can utilize the middle of the field where Sam Ellinger has been really good, all those guys should be healthy this week and ready and raring to go. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I might have missed it post game. Were there any details on Brewer? Was his uh, take all the injury, or did Herman even address that yet? With Cade Brewer? Yeah. No. No, he's, so, got his, he's got his press conference today. Yeah, yeah. so he being that far apart, because when I saw that he only played, what was it, eight snaps or nine he, snaps? He was not on game. the he was not on the bye week injury report. I can tell you that much. So that looks like Jared Wiley has overtaken that job. Then at I that would, point, I would if just we're like looking to see about him. snaps on the field because he's had a career high. It's went forty, or it was at the end of last game. It was fifty-two offensive snaps for Jared Wiley to the eight or nine for Brewer. So. That's something in Malcolm Epps actually outsnapped. Brewer Epps had 13 on offense. Well, he's playing more, but you, they, he is hurt or something. But I've I've been te- I've yeah. been teased by what we saw in the TCU game, in the Baylor game, and the couple a couple of a couple other games where Jared Wiley's been a factor in the past game. I would just like to see him get a few more targets. But Rod, yeah. let's talk about a couple issues on offense. One is Sam Ellinger, and Tom Herman said going in, you know, he said a couple times last week. Going into the West Virginia game was as healthy as Sam Ellinger has been in a while. Mm-hmm. It was just a case of he didn't play well in the first half, yeah. played better in the second half, but his wide receivers just didn't help him a whole lot with some of the drop passes and just issues in the pass game. Uh, Rod, I broke this into to the kind of the three segments we've had in conference play. The first one where you had the bye week coming off of UTEP and then the bye week after the OU game, yeah. and then you had Baylor, Oak State, West Virginia, and then a bye week. So it's broken up kind of nicely for Sam Ellinger. Uh, that first three-game stretch, Sam Ellinger's numbers uh, – Completion rate, 57.4, which is not where you want it to be. Uh, 785 yards, so that means yards per completion, 10.6. Yards per pass attempt, though, barely over six. It's not really ideally where you want to be. Uh, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. The run game was really where Sam Ellinger was was really good. Uh, 47 carries, 230 yards. It's almost five yards a carry and five touchdowns. Did you include that sack yardage? Yes, sack yardage just factored into that. Okay. Yes, because he would have. I don't know. It, the, you got to factor in the college football. Yeah, the stacks. Yeah. So it, it makes everything get. Skewed. Yeah, so you got to factor in the six sacks he took in the Oklahoma game. He he rushed for one twelve in the OU game, and that was with getting sacked. Yeah. six times. Uh, that second three game segment. Uh, completion percentage actually drops. It drops down to 54.6 for these last three games, 623 passing yards. So his yards per completion is up and yards per pass attempt are up. Uh, And we have seen them kind of force the issue, trying to take more shots down the field. Uh, Six touchdowns, one interception. Sam's back to not really turning the ball over. But the run game, uh, 40 carries, 81 yards and two touchdowns, just over two yards a carry. Sack yardage does get factored into that. We know he was running for his life all day in Stillwater, and he was not healthy for that game coming off of where mm-hmm. he took uh, the helmet to the calf. 
in the Baylor game. But Rod, this is where this is why anytime anybody talks, well, should Casey Thompson get a series or two? No, because as many one possession games as Texas plays in, as many close games as they play in, this is why Clutch time. this is why you don't bench Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger Rod in Big Twelve play in the fourth quarter in overtime this year. You ready for this? Completion percentage goes up to 73.7. 444 yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, run game, 29 carries, 158 yards, and two touchdowns. So that's 10.6 yards per completion, 7.8 yards per pass attempt, about four and a half or five and a half, excuse me, per carry. That's why you don't make a move. That's why you don't try something else because when you're in the clutch, Rod, you can make the argument there are very few quarterbacks who a head coach would rather put the ball in their hands other than Sam Ellinger. Yeah, no, I agree with that. There's no, there's no doubt that he's been really clutch. I mean, he does now have what the tied for the record in game winning drives with at Major Texas now with Major Applewhite. Well, he'll surpass that this year. Hopefully, uh, we don't see that surpassed this week. Yeah, but it will. You know, there'll be another tight game <laughs> right. like that, and I think we expect Texas to be able to win at least one of those games, but. I'll say this about Sam. There's no question Sam's regressed. They can say what they want, and maybe it's because of injury. Maybe it's because of pass protection. Maybe it's because of wide receivers can't get off the bump and run. Maybe it's because of the offensive identity issues, whatever. It could be a number of those things, but he has regressed. And I just, I'm just telling you, as a guy who's watched enough film on mm-hmm. Sam, yeah, there's no doubt. He's looking more like 2017 Sam than 2018 or 2019 Sam. I think the biggest issue for him is, and it may be solved over this bye week, you just need to get more playmakers on the field. That's what's wrong with the offense. If Sam had more playmakers around him, period, then you know every play you wouldn't have to have perfect execution by every phase at every position group, right? Bijan Robinson, when he breaks a tackle, you didn't have to have a perfect block, all right? Didn't, mm-hmm. the, the play didn't need to be blocked perfectly. He just went out and made a play. Spin move, stiff arm, that's just what great players do. Jake Smith, same thing when Sam's you know, rolling out and throws to him late back of the end zone. That's just a guy going to make a play. When you get more of those guys on the field, and now you said Jared Wiley's playing more, Jordan Whittington's going to come back. By the way, don't waste Jordan Whittington's three quarters that he may be back against Kansas. Let's save that (laughs) for Iowa State and Kansas State. I don't even need to see it versus Kansas, truth be told, Um, because I know he's a baller and I know he can play. Um, But – I, I think it's more so about putting playmakers around Sam. He's just been lacking those playmakers. Keontae Ingram was a disappointment this year. Rojo hasn't been the Rojo of last year because he's been so banged up. Bijan should be the guy. Play Bijan more, you'll make more plays. There'll be a more explosive play. More Jake Smith, there'll be more explosive plays. More Jordan Whittington, more explosive plays. Jared, more Jared Wiley, more explosive plays. Yep. Like it, 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 it's that easy. It really is. And I, I'm not saying the coaches didn't do that, but – that's the difference between having to have everything perfect on every play or rather than, oh, man, that guy just went and made a damn play. Yeah, you know what I mean? It, like, that's what happened And with if ballers. you're talking about skill players, it's almost as if Texas has been playing with no margin for injury, the way you look at margin for error, error because yeah. you haven't had a game where you've had Smith and Whittington together, Agreed. and especially since the emergence of, of Bijan. And yeah. we already knew he was maybe that type of playmaker, but just the ability to have looks that we haven't seen. It's been impossible to give those looks because it's been either Whittington or Jake at the H. So all the things that possible. Now, we also have known that there have been a lot of times that Texas doesn't do the things that you hope they would do in these situations. But with this team, they haven't even had that opportunity yet with the personnel. Mm -hmm. So that's at least the one bright side to look at. And across the board, it could sort of 
then niche in your niched players below Whittington, below Smith, below Bijan. So you aren't asking guys to do more than what's expected. You're actually asking asking them to just you know fill their role. And if they aren't the primary focus, they may actually be able to excel much more at that role. Rod, I want your take on the eye test, and Matt, if you got some analytics uh, to to pitch in here, please do. Where are you guys at on Brendan Eagles? Because I'm not saying Brendan Eagles has turned a corner or that he's going to be the next Roy Williams or anything of that nature, but I just want to give you some numbers on Brendan Eagles that are at least encouraging. Uh, He's got uh, – he caught his fifth touchdown of the season against West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Team – his 11 touchdowns since the start of the 2019 season, they're the most by any Longhorn and the second most among active Big 12 receivers in that stretch. Uh, he's caught at least one pass in all seven games this season. Uh, he's caught at least one pass in 12 straight contests dating back to the TCU game last year, which he was suspended for that game and didn't play. He's caught a pass in each of the last 19 games he's played dating back to last season. So we're even though it's small, and maybe I'm just kind of grasping at straws here, we're starting to see some resemblance of consistency for the first time really in Brendan Eagle's career. Right, is that just kind of coincidence or is that something that maybe he can build on for this last three game stretch? He's gaining confidence. You can tell. He's gaining confidence. I I think I got still got to see him get off a jam like West Virginia, you know, even though Sam wasn't great versus West Virginia, they did not jam the wide receivers. Right. So the wide receivers made more plays down the field and were able to get downfield and get separation. So I still want to see them, you know, try to get off of press coverage every now and then. But I do. I, you can tell that he's playing with a lot more confidence. It's, you know, Josh Moore is the one. And now he's dealing with an injury who's kind of lost confidence. And you can start telling that. Like, it's, it's weird. And I think it's because the, the coaches don't know how to feature the skill sets of their wide receivers. They don't really know what Brandon Eagles does well, what Josh Moore does well. That's pretty obvious in the way they use them. Yeah. They don't, they don't know. And when you look at a guy like uh, Eagles this year, whenever his per-touch rates have been really impressive because of the amount of scores he's had. I mean, you had the first three games where he each had a TD. But when you look at overall his first downs of his 19 receptions this year, 15 of them have been for first downs. So he's been a guy that's been targeted further downfield. But that sort of comes with the role he's Mm -hmm. playing with now. But it's huge. Last year he had nine drops, and he only had 32 receptions. This year one drop out in 19 receptions, which is really good because he's sort of – Nine drops? last year yeah man that's what he was credited with at least according to pro football focus that's but crazy. yeah when you look at him Devin Duvernay dropped nine balls in his career I'll he look that didn't. up but <laughs> yeah no I don't think he did either he didn't yeah yeah and that's the thing that like Eagles had always been that guy that he's sort of one of the ones that we were talking about that when you're healthy he can then be sort of niched down into his role where he can actually excel because he's not maybe getting some type of primary coverage or focus or being one of the few guys out there that has any film on them. He's a guy that is maybe an afterthought after you're worried about stopping one, two, or three guys ahead of him in a Smith, Whittington, or a Bijan that could be more of a threat. So him as a guy that's one of your last skill players on the field, that's pretty good to have. If he's a guy that's going to be needed to be your primary guy, like coming into the season, some people were thinking, oh, is Eagles going to be, because he's the big body NFL people like big body receivers just naturally so when you're trying to look at a college team and be like who's going to be the next guy like 
oh, that big Texas guy, he's going to be it. It's like, and I wouldn't expect those type of things from a guy right. like him. But that's why it's so perfect that in like the first three games, he only had one reception against UTEP, one reception against TCU, but it was a 45-yard touchdown and a 35-yard touchdown. Those were his only catches in those games because he's filling that outside role. But inside Tom Herman's offense, that's sort of just what you're asking yeah, those outside receivers to be. So yeah. it's just sort of now he's better fit for his role. And if you are healthy, the coverage, he may be finding a lot more one-on-ones. And he's the type of body type that can win in those one-on-ones. So, Rod, is, is this kind of what what you just said about Joshua Moore kind of Matt, Matt kind of confirmed kind of where I was going on Brennan Eagles. It's kind of what we said about the receivers all offseason. Like, other than Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington, nobody in this receiver core strike me as somebody that's just going to be like what LJ Humphrey or Devin Duvernay or Colin Johnson was a guy that just they're going to go out and get theirs. You've got to scheme them open. You've got to understand how to best utilize the skill set. I, I think I think at this point it's pretty safe to say Smith and Whittington are really the only two guys in this receiver group that can – you can line them up wherever. It doesn't matter. They can go win one-on-ones. They can go manipulate man coverage. Yeah. I don't know that anybody else in this group really can, at least consistently. Yeah, those guys do it naturally because of you know they're just explosive and high-level athletes. Right. I'm not saying that Josh Moore and Brendan Eagles are not, but you know they're more they're more typecast receivers, right? Like Josh Moore is the speedy. Small-ish receiver, but it just like fitting that stereotype and typecast. Can't get all bump and run coverage mm-hmm. on the outside, so they got to put him in the slot. They got to move him around, which is fine. All right, but it's certain actors. Hey, man, they play a certain role. Yep. All right, that guy no, plays that role. Some people Danny know their role. Plays people... that guy in <laughs> that movie. All right, that's what Danny mm-hmm. Trejo does. He make a ton of money doing that guy. Right, Samuel L. Jackson Forever was the angry black man. <laughs> Until the McConaughey, McConaughey was yeah the romantic <laughs> rom com guy. Take his shirt off, sexy guy. Nothing wrong with that. So I think for Brendan Eagles. I think they were just trying to figure out what his role is on the outside. And think about it, lately they've schemed him open for those touchdowns. The one against Oklahoma State where they scheme him to a stack, a yep. motion, Jake Smith from outside of him to a stack and kind of free him up with that defensive back who was playing bump and run coverage. And also the um, the delayed rub route that they had against um, just recently. West Virginia. West Virginia, right? You remember this? The delayed mm-hmm. rub route with yeah. Jared Wiley. Uh, it was a delayed rub. He's on the outside, and he, he pauses. He's waiting on Jared Wiley. Smart, actually really smart by him, too, because if he goes too early, then Jared Wiley misses the rub. But he waits for Jared Wiley. Boom, it's a beautiful rub route. He's wide open. He's touchdown on the team. That will gain coaches. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It was inside. It was in the slot. And those yeah. things will so, be what yeah. coaches will gain confidence in what you do yeah. well if you're exactly. one of those guys. And then he'll put you in those positions. Yeah. So that's a good job by you. Yeah, and Josh Moore, you know, when they moved him inside against, you know, to get that game-winning touchdown against Oklahoma State, you know, that's kind of what they need to do more with those. Now, what this is going to be the thing when they when they bring Jordan Whittington back and Jake Smith, there need to be packages where you have those guys on the field together. And that way maybe you can – I mean, you can have one of those guys on the outside because they can win on the outside on their own. They're really good, mm-hmm. like Jake Smith and Jordan Winston. They're that good, mm-hmm. that they're that explosive. But Brennan Eagles and mm-hmm. you know and, and George, Josh Moore, you know, and Schooler don't necessarily win all the time. When they moved Schooler inside to the H versus Tech, he was balling. Yes, seven receptions, balled out of control. Why? Because the H is going to be a productive position. Mm-hmm. It just is. What you need is the Colin Johnsons. Remember they lose Lil' Jordan Humphrey outside when Colin Johnson was hurt one time. Devin DuVernay early on in his career could win outside. Those guys are just ballers who can win outside. That's why they're playing in the league now. Uh, or Lil' Jordan Humphrey was playing in the league. But you get my point. He's yeah. still with the Saints at least. So that's yeah, good. yeah, that's good. But so, yeah, to answer you, DuVernay, sorry, five drops his entire career. Good Lord. 
at Texas. Unbelievable. It's insane. Um, Liga. Right, guys, I've got some B. John Robinson <laughs> numbers, and I think I mean, this will freaky. I think this will maybe, I don't know if it'll alleviate some of the concerns or complaints that Texas fans have, but I think it'll maybe put it in perspective. Complaints uh, and, I, and I'm not taking any, any coach's side here or anything. I'm just giving you history that says this is kind of what Tom Herman does and what he's done at Texas where he's kind of in a weird position, Rod, where he's never really had a bell cow running back, and I think now that he might actually have one, I think it's going to maybe be a change in philosophy. Hmm. So Tom Herman in his career, Rod, there have been 17 games hmm. where a Texas running back has carried the ball 15 or more times. Okay. In those 17 games, Texas is 16-1. and one. <laughs> I like that. The one they lost was the TCU game last year where we complained that, like, well, they were running the ball. Why did they stop running it? Oh, Keontae Ingram yeah. went, like, 16 for 75 or 71. remember this. Something like that. So they're 16 to 1 in those wow. 17 games. And by the way, there's been two occurrences. Uh, Tom Herman's first year, Chris Warren and Kyle Porter both got to the 15 plus carry mark. One was in the San Jose State game, and the other one was in the Iowa State game. Uh, San Jose, that San Jose State was Chris Warren. Yes. So the Iowa State game, Kyle Porter got 15 plus carries. They, he was the best running back they had at the time. I think is Warren, that, that I think in the Iowa State game, I think Warren got 16, Kyle Porter got 17. Okay. Yeah. So he's your second best. That's winner. totally game script. Is that when you're Ooh. leading, you can continue no, to run. That's amazing. And we know my favorite arbitrary stat to throw out there in the Tom Herman era. He's 20 and 0 at Texas when Texas records at least 40 rushing attempts in a game. Because when you run, that's because you're leading. That's because you're leading. Yeah, exactly. When when Tom Herman's had a running back rod go for 20 or more carries, it's only happened four times in his tenure. A running back getting. I'll put it this way: that's... Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger has more 20 carry games hmm. than. The running back group at Texas combined in the Tom Herman era. Sam's got five. There have been four 20-carry games uh, by a running back. Two of them are by Roshan Johnson. Keontae Ingram's got one. Hmm. Roshan Johnson has two. And Danny Young had one in 2017 against Kansas. Oh, there you oh, go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That fits. Comp- yeah, that's You're that, winning. You're, right. you're running out the clock. Wow. And, yeah, and that's how you do it. Good research. And I've so, been curious about this with the running back while we're on the same wow. point. Like, And it sort of reminded me of the conversation we had in the offseason of a fatal flaw of Orlando was throughout his entire career, Orlando was never able to recruit the top-level players. So then when he got to Texas, his fit at Texas yeah. really didn't fit that yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then so now you think about Herman – Herman never maybe was able to recruit a bell cow type guy mm-hmm. or a top tier running back because there's very few elite running backs in college football. There might be five or ten of them. So now at Texas, can he identify that he has an elite one and maybe change, or was this some? Does he know how to use one, or is it more of the system that he's always had and just what he's always done? Is he willing to change because of the players or not? Well, he had, you know, he was the OC at Ohio State when he had Carlos Hyde for a couple of years, and then he had Zeke Elliott. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that was Tom Herman or if that was Urban Meyer in his ear saying, "Hey, get, get fifteen the damn ball, just put it in his belly right now." Be the beast, yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. But Rod, and, and keep in mind, this is over Tom Herman's tenure at Texas. Yeah. So we're we're approaching the fifty game mark with Tom Herman in this job. He's only had running backs record nine one hundred yard games. Mm. Running okay. backs have had nine 100-yard yep. games. Uh, Chris Warren had one second game of his tenure in the San Jose State game. Yep. Keontae Ingram has had one, two, three, four, five for Keontae Ingram, mm-hmm. two for Roshan Johnson, and one for Bijan Robinson. So eight on the current roster. Yeah, so Rod, but here's the thing about, about Bijan's 100-yard game. 
He did it in the fewest number of carries out of any of those guys. I can believe that. 12 carries, 113 yards. Yep. The previous was Keontae Ingram uh, got 108 on 13 carries in the bowl game against Utah. Yeah. So, Explosive yeah, the plays. one thing is is it looks like it. the one constant here, last three games for Bijan, 12 carries, 13, 12. And, and you're seeing the trend, Matt. So here, here's where I think you can, like I said, not, not maybe alleviate your concerns, but maybe be encouraged by what we could be getting ready to see. Right, I charted it. Tom Herman's had two, has four in his tenure at Texas, had four true freshman running backs go over 15 plus carries in a game. Okay. This is this is the game number when they hit that in terms of games played when they finally hit the 15 carry mark. And we keep on B. John Robinson's getting ready to go mm-hmm. into his seventh game. Yep. Danny Young, tenth game. Tony Carter, sixth game. Keontae Ingram, sixth game. Roshan Johnson, sixth game. So based on Tom Herman's track record, now you're getting to the point where typically this is right around the time if yeah. he's got a true freshman running back that he likes, this is typically the time where he starts to trust them a little bit more. Reminds me of the conversation we had with about Benson and Mack and being until after the Oklahoma game that he finally decided to start them by like game five or six. But it's, no, no, no. I, it's, I, I, I think you're right about that. It's a good point. Um, I do think, though, when you have a prodigy, just like you have a prodigy <clears throat> academically, uh, they advanced them, right? You skip classes. You Sooner. sorry, skip classes. You yes. skip. You skip them ahead grades yes. <laughs> um, because they want to put them on uh, with their peers intellectually. Mm-hmm. And Bijan is an advanced prodigy. Right. He's a five-star running back. So those other guys, I would argue, they're not. So they may need. You may need Agreed. to keep them along with your usual rate of development. That guy needs to be advanced. His, uh, you know, his development needs to be expedited. Yeah. Get yep. him. Get him going. Because he's a prodigy. That would be my only argument. And I'll tell you the difference between those four guys. Here's the games where they got to that 15-plus carry mark. Danny Young's the only the only game he's gone for 15-plus carries was that 21-carry game he had against Kansas' true freshman year. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did we As just a say? backup, most likely. Yeah, but what did we just say about Tom Herman? When he's got the lead, he's not really concerned about style points. He, nope. like he to just wants to run Burn it. the clock out, yeah. just kind of break your will in the run game and, and, and burn time off That's the clock. That's style. Tony Carter's 15, 15 carry game came in that blowout Tom Herman's first year against Baylor, where again, you're blowing somebody out, mm-hmm. you're trying to run the clock oh, out. Another backup guy. Keontae Ingram's first 15 carry game came in 2018 in the Baylor game, which what happened in the Baylor game? Sam Ellinger got hurt, hurt like five plays into that yeah. game. Yeah. So you had Shane Bouchelle. So they turned it in. Yeah. They basically said, we're just going to feature Keontae Ingram today and just try to get the heck out of here with a win. When he was the, the freshman badass runner. Yeah. Roshan Johnson did it in his fifth game. And what game was that? It was the West Virginia game last year where Keontae Ingram, like the first or second series of that game, remember in pass protection, he gets the stinger. They have to pull him out. Right. So he was really the only running back mm-hmm. they had that day. Yeah. So basically those guys got there because in the, the situation said you really had, either had no other choice or it was very conducive to doing it. I'm with you, Rod. He didn't want to do it. Though. Right. This mm-hmm. is technically the time where Tom Herman's typically done it, but – Combining what what both you guys just said, now he's at the point where I think he's got to do it because yeah. you've got a guy where this isn't just a good running back. This is a guy that could be a a franchise running back for you. And you got your offense is hurting right now, right? Your your offense is trying to figure some things out. It looks discombobulated at times, very erratic. So you need something to make you more consistent offensively. And not saying Bijan's going to become your identity, but at least you can be able to stay ahead of the chains 
and I think kind of stay in a, a kind of high success rate offensively from down to down when you got Bijan because he's just he's explosive. I I, I crunched mm-hmm. my own numbers about Bijan and it's I mean it is it, it's amazing how how amazing how explosive he is. I looked at the last three games. He's generating explosive play every five point eight touches, and he's averaging an explosive rush every six point run rushes in the last three games. It's <laughs> so explosive, right? And he per is, snap, he rate. has twice as many explosive plays in the last three games as any player on Texas roster not named Sam Ellinger. Yeah. He is, he is doing. So you just got to give him the rock, man, more and more. If you go back to our conversations we had, guys, about Deontay Foreman in 2015, when we were wondering why is he not playing more. In a different way, Bijan Robinson is doing the same thing Deontay Foreman did, where you got a running back who, with your offensive line issues, he can account for the unblocked defender by himself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and then therefore, like I said, make your your offense right now has to be perfect, as Matt said, on every down and every phase with every position group. And they're far from that. That's just mm-hmm. why your offense breaks down and in every quarter it's almost a toss-up whether you guys are going to get a, a, a favorable penalty or whether somebody's going to end up making a really good play or whether Sam's going to save the day, right? So what guys who are really explosive, like the Jake Smiths of the world and the Bijans of the world, what they do for you, which you don't have enough of, and Jared Wiley too, to your uh, credit, Jeff Howe, is they, they can – they can help you account for all the the the, the potential errors you're going to have on a play because yeah. you don't have to be perfect when you have play game breakers and playmakers like that in the game. They can just go out and make a play. Otherwise, you're relying on perfect execution from down to down to move the ball, which mm. never happens. And no injuries. No, like, yeah, no injuries. No uh, error everything or per- injury. Everything can be perfectly ideal. That doesn't happen. No, you're, 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 that D-lineman's going to make a damn play. Your offensive lineman's going to miss a block, and when he does, Bijan's going to juke him out of his shoes and spin move and then make something happen. You're going to mm-hmm. go, okay, keep the chains moving. That's what happens yep. when you have play. We have to have to force feed your best players to football at times, and Tom Herman doesn't do enough of that. That's why his offenses have to be perfect because he's not going to force feed the football to the Jake Smiths to the H position. They will, but specifically the guys and feature guys, feature Josh Moore how he needs to be featured and Brandon Eagles. If you do that, then I think you don't have to have like I said the immaculate execution from down to down on every in every phase of the play. You know what I mean? You just know. I gave it to that guy, and he made a damn play. What do you mean? I gave it to Ricky Williams, and he just ran over two, three <laughs> people. And then, yeah, and that basically was the offense. And we were not perfect. The Seattle Seahawks are perfect? No. No, it's the line's trash most of the time. It's just Russell Wilson making a damn play. Yeah. Uh, Same thing with Deshaun Watson. Making yeah, a damn play. 100%. Guys, as we transition to talking about the Texas defense, I've just got one thing I want to point out with his defense primarily, and that's, Rob, we talk about how much better the linebackers have been in the last three games. And – I've tried to kind of quantify it by saying, okay, where where can that show up? Because you can watch the film and say, okay, I can see DeMarvin Overshone and Juwan Mitchell are playing better. Yep. But how does that how does that add up to the defense as a whole being better? And I'll tell you where I think it adds up, and you tell me if I'm wrong or expound upon it, Matt, you as well. Uh, I think it's in, in explosive plays allowed in the run game. I think yep. that's where the linebackers – and I'll throw Chris Adamora in there because – He's a second-level defender as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's look. Let's go to the first three Big 12 games. Okay, The Texas Tech game, Tech went for 116 yards. 73.3% of those yards came on two carries. Mm. You did have the Sir Roderick Thompson was a 75, 76-yard yeah. touchdown yeah, run or yeah. whatever it was. Go to the TCU game. TCU run, a lot t- after a missed tackle. TCU runs for 226 on 50 carries. 
Okay. But 54.9% of those yards came on seven carries. So it's just a few runs that were killing you in that game. Yep. The Oklahoma game was really where it showed Oklahoma ran for 208 on 55 carries. 66.8% of their yards came on seven carries. Yeah. So it's just, it was kind of my theory, Rod, that teams were approaching the run game with Texas. Like, look, we're going to have to live with kind of the two and three yard runs because at some point these linebackers are such a liability. At some point they'll screw up and that's when we'll pop something in the mm-hmm. run game. The difference now is they're not popping things in the run game. Let's go to the Baylor game. And the other thing that, that was comes t- with tackling, because like if you look at Texas's yeah. tackling numbers in like the last three games, not nearly as many missed tackles. You look at that Shrodrick Thompson run, you have them bottled up like for a three yard gain, and it becomes a seventy two yard one mm-hmm. after you have right. a missed tackle. So the other thing, Rod, that was killing you, Max Duggan killed you with the quarterback run game. Spencer Rattler, who's not a runner. Got that really long drive Oklahoma had in the third quarter. I think it was like a 16-play drive. I think he had uh, converted a couple third downs running the football. Functional mobility yeah. with him, though. His quarterback run game killed you. But let's go to these last three games. Baylor goes 64 yards on 21 carries. How many explosive plays did Baylor have? Only had two. two. Yeah. One for 11 and one for 10. Yeah, Baylor got nothing in the run game. Nothing. And your quarterback run game with Charlie Brewer. And I on, on these quarterback runs, I took out sack yards. So sacks okay. do not factor into this. Quarterback run game for Charlie Brewer in that game, nine for 24. Pretty much a non-factor. Let's go to Oklahoma State, which at the time was the best running game in the Big Still is, I think still is the best running game in the Big 12. Iowa State might have mm-hmm. passed them by this point. Uh, Oklahoma State, 51 carries for 130 yards. Another game where Mike Gundy just kind of, for whatever reason, Slammed his head against the wall trying to run the football against Texas. The rock. But on those 51 carries, how many explosive plays did Oklahoma State have? I only had four. None by Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard didn't have an explosive play Sanders in that game. Most of them, right? Uh, yeah. Was it reverse two? Was that one? Uh, Spencer Sanders had the longest play. That was 35 yards. Okay. Uh, LD Brown, or actually, yeah, the reverse. The reverse. The, the end around was for 19. Okay. And then LD Brown had one for 12 and one for 11. Okay. So basically, they got 77 yards. 77 of their 130 came. On four carries, but Matt, to your point, that was the worst tackling game they've had in this three-game stretch. It was. They, that's the only one they missed double digits, I believe. I and, don't know. I haven't, I haven't counted West Virginia. And yet, the third, they the didn't th- miss double digits. The thirty-five yarder. Game. That was where Spencer what? Sanders made just made Jawan Mitchell miss in space. Yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, quarterback run game for Spencer Sanders: eleven for forty-nine, but he had uh, one. He had one for thirty-five, one for eight, one for five. Uh, his other eight carries went for three or fewer yards. Mm-hmm. So you did a really good job of bottling it up. West Virginia, and we know now that Letty Brown wasn't at 100%, and we could tell that, West Virginia went 26 for 43. They had one explosive run all day, and that was the Letty Brown touchdown run yep. early in the game. Quarterback run game, Jarrett Day, he's not a runner, but two for eight. So that to me is where it is, right? If you want to look at why this defense is better and how the linebackers factor mm-hmm. into that, to me it's you're not giving up chunk yardage plays by the boatload in the run game anymore. Yeah, that's just a you know it's, it's another sign that the linebackers are starting to figure it out. And I mean, I it was pretty obvious two or three weeks ago, and we talked about it that they were no longer the biggest issue on defense. As a matter of fact, I think now, and I know it's going to be weird to say, I think they're a strength on the yeah. defense sector at this point. I think you're no margin seven. for injury, but those two, those you're good. two guys when they're in if there, they're on those, the field, yeah, exactly. Good. Those guys, as long as you stay healthy, great point. You're good in the front seven. Uh, and I hopefully over the bye week they got the corners figured out, the cornerback situation figured out, and got those guys a little bit more comfortable in pass coverage. Because right now on defense, it's easier to deal with just one weakness. I think what hit Chris Ash like a like a Mack truck was the fact that his corners were a liability and the linebackers were a liability early. It was like, 
man, I got to protect two position groups. That's really tough to do. That's really that's almost impossible to do these days where everybody's trying to pinpoint your vulnerability. Now, just just uh, you know, defensively having to strategically um, cover up your corners that are liability. That's a whole lot easier to do as the only weakness on your mm-hmm. defense. Well, and whenever you are able to stop the run, it means that your defense is structurally sound. There aren't any big issues. Like if you're tackling well and you're mm-hmm. structurally sound, you should be able to stop the run. And that's the type of spot where you want to be as a defense. And if you get to that point, you can actually have a coordinator and then have uh, versatility and be able to build off of that. If you aren't structurally sound and they're just missing run fits and giving up big plays mm-hmm. or missing tackles, you could have an overall decent, good defense or a talented defense and it just get beat constantly yep. because you're volunteering ways to be taken advantage of if you're up against a good offense. Luckily this week, Texas <laughs> won't be up against a good offense, so maybe you'll get away with it. Very but true. you can't be doing that against Iowa State or Kansas State because those are the type of teams that kill you when you do that. Last thing, guys, I want to point out some numbers for the defensive line. Through the first four games of the season, and we could see the eye test, and Matt, we know football outsiders have liked this defensive line all year. Through the oh, yeah. first four games, the D-line combined four sacks and 16.5 tackles for loss. In the last three games, guys, that group has gone for seven sacks, 17 tackles for loss. Uh, they've also got four of the 20 passes defensed by the defense in the last three games. Uh, one forced fumble, that was by uh, Joseph Osai, uh, and then two quarterback pressures. So. Yeah. The the raw numbers are starting to catch up with what we've seen for this defensive line all year that they've been really good. The raw numbers are starting to show. And then uh, in terms of football outsiders, which you guys know I, I love them so much, uh, in terms of just the numbers they put out for defensive line success, then the games for this past weekend haven't been factored in. But going coming out of the West Virginia game, Texas fifth in the country in line yards per carry, mm. 15th in opportunity rate, 45th in power success rate, uh, and 12th in stuff rate. So – and second in line yards on passing down. Yeah, so it's, it's elite. Yeah, we, it's an elite D line. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what, what we came into the season being yeah. like, man. Texas is going to have one tool in the Big Twelve that nobody else has. Elite yeah, elite D-line. defensive line, and it's going to be something that if you have that, you need to be able to take advantage of that because you're one of the few that has something that everybody else envies you for. And you know, if you're able to get now linebackers behind that, and then we already know how talented the back end of the secondary is with the safeties. safeties. So it's a good way to start. It's just hopefully you're able to complete the next three weeks. And it it is deep, like we talked about. It's not just Joseph Osai doing it by himself. Devondre Sweat's coming Mm. off of his best game. Alfred Collins continues to make plays when he's in there. Moro Ojibo's playing his best football we've seen him play. Jacoby Jones is giving you good reps. So you've got size, athleticism, talent, and depth all on that defensive front. Alfred Collins almost had one of those freak pick sixes that last game. I I didn't mention it last game. But, yeah, just seeing him and the ability, like, when you see his athleticism, you're like, that dude looks like he could play basketball, but he's the size of a D lineman. Like, it's crazy. Like, if he's, like, outgrown being one of those freak tight ends, like, he's just, like, a 350-pound dude with that athleticism. I told you that Tim Crowder's worked out with with Alfred Collins and said he's, like, the only guy I can compare him to. He said he's, like, a young Bruce Smith. He's, like, God just doesn't make that many people – that are that that in that body are that flexible have that kind of athleticism. Just yeah. a modern version of fifty pounds heavier and an inch or two taller. I'm glad they're playing him too. Like I said, he's a prodigy though, right? Yeah. So Chris yeah, Ash is taking the approach. What? No, no, no. He's a prodigy. He's got to play. Got to play. He's only going to get better the more he plays. He's gonna, 
he's at one point he is going to advance past everybody else once the light goes on for him because his talent level is just so high. Yes. His ceiling is so much higher than everybody And we else's. just saw that with Bijan. Same thing with Bijan. Like, because, I mean, he's he, feeding him. And that's why we don't want to be fooled by last game because last game it was the same amount of usage. He got his normal 12 or 13 carries. It's just he got the 100-plus yards. So yeah. we view like, oh, he was used as, you know, the feature person. It's like, actually, he wasn't featured. He was taken out the field and fans were claiming for more mm-hmm. it's exactly how we used to but the production is exceeding exactly those right. expectations so hopefully that continues guys we'll end the show with this matt i'll start with you for texas aside from winning the game which i think we all believe is a given at this point yes or tom herman's fight <laughs> pretty much yes <laughs> no doubt uh, saturday is a <laughs> successful game for texas if what happens uh, if Texas just is able to come out in the way that Wisconsin did on Michigan and be up like 28-0 after the first quarter and the game's over, like it has to end like the UTEP game did to where like you don't – there's no questions. They look like they're playing well, performing well, and get to rest guys in a say – I haven't looked at the weather, but it always probably going to suck this time of year up in Kansas. And it's just mm-hmm. something, a road trip you don't want to be on. So you want it to look good when you know that the circumstances – would dictate that maybe it shouldn't be as pretty, but you want them to over exceed those expectations. I want to see Hudson Card. That's how you know it was a great, a great game, right? Yeah. We see his NFC and Hudson Card. Oh, knock on wood, because Sam is done playing and Casey Thompson is done playing. I assume even if worst case scenario happens, you end up seeing Case Hudson Card out there. That it was, it was a good night because that means you got up big somehow. So that's me. I want mm-hmm. Sam to be done playing by halftime. Yeah, that's my. I want to. I want to be in the press box in Lawrence with my game story written by the time the fourth quarter started. I want to be done writing by the time the fourth quarter yeah. starts. Yeah, I agree with that. All that would say Sam gets the rest he needs because that's the biggest issue hurting the offense right now. It's just Sam is. He just looks banged up. He doesn't look like his the freshest version of himself. That bye week will help a ton. If this game, I really think this game can mirror the UTEP game, and if it did, that doesn't guarantee Texas is winning out, but. You feel a lot better about that Iowa State game if they could just take care of business, not have any hiccups in yeah. Lawrence. And, you know, last time Tom Herman, last bye week, they said they would fix, you know, work on the running game and the rush defense, and they came out and the running game and the rush defense have both looked better. Obviously, the running game is just giving it to Bijan more right. and his maturation. But the rush defense did improve immensely. So if they're working on the pass defense and they're working on the passing game, Let's just hope that Tom Harmon remains a little bit consistent and one of those, if not both of those, improve after this bye week because you're in it. You're in the Big 12 title race, baby. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260, streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on the Triple Option from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can find all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are all available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz.
Sports. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts to get each and every episode of Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.